Do complex legal issues hold you back? Let's get energized and bring clarity to your top legal questions. This is Law Talk with the Flock by Guzman Law Firm. I'm your host, Gina Guzman, CEO and managing partner of the Guzman Law Firm, author and business leader, here to help navigate you through the law, your business, and your life as a leader. With me today on Law Talk with the Flock is attorney Dan Epstein. Dan is an attorney at the Guzman Law Firm who focuses on litigation as well as the construction industry. Welcome, Dan. Uh, welcome. Th- thanks for having me and uh, excited here. Yeah, excited to have you on Law Talk with the Flock, and we're going to be talking on what to do if your customer or your client doesn't pay you. Do you ever see that come up in your practice, Dan? It does. It comes up uh, probably too frequently for our clients uh, that we have to get involved and help them either file claims, uh, make demand letters, or uh, worst case scenario, file lawsuits on their behalf. So tell me a little bit about the construction industry and, and why is it fraught with claims for payment? Well, uh, it really it, there's so many contracts from owner to general contractor, general contractor to subcontractor. Sometimes subcontractors have their own subcontractors. Uh, it can lead to delays in payment, uh, whether that's delays starting from the owner's end, uh, where they're not paying their contractors in a timely fashion, or whether it's contractors themselves not getting the documents to the owners in a timely fashion, uh, and it trickles down. So obviously, in a profession like construction where you are doing work and not being paid until later and sometimes much later uh, it can cause uh, major business problems in some cases uh, you don't the client might have the money to pay their actual workers that have actually done work months in the past and you and I actually met on a construction case didn't we about 15 or 16 years ago yes it was a grain bin case uh, up in uh, near Oakland Nebraska and I think I remember taking some depositions in Sioux City, Iowa, and that's how we first met. And we were actually defending like the same side of the case, if I recall. Yep. Uh, the co-op had sued. They did the uh, tactic of suing everyone, whether it was the engineer, uh, the architect, the general contractor, some subcontractors. So it was a it was a case with lots of different attorneys in it. And way before that, we were both Burke Bulldogs. Yep. Uh, I was class in 93 and... Uh, I followed on your heels. Yep. <laughs> so and now here we are many years later sitting in the Omaha office of the Guzman Law Firm. Yep. Practicing law together and working on cases. Exactly. So I'm excited to talk a little bit more about this area of the construction industry because we see it a lot. I mean, so much so that we have you focusing on construction industry as your practice. and. When you first have a dispute, what are some of the first steps that people take? And I think I heard you mention a demand letter. What is a demand letter? Well, a demand letter is when, when the client comes in, we first need to ask them some background questions. And one of them is, what kind of project is this? Is this a public project or is this a private project? Public project, you're going to start to get into requirements of the Miller Act, which is a federal uh, statute, which would require payment under a federal statute for federal projects and then there's also little miller acts which are the state versions of the federal act uh, for the private ones you would go to uh, just the state lien act and in nebraska's case they have a nebraska 
Construction Prompt Pay Act as well. So the first question we're asking everyone is what kind of project is this and where is it located? Depending upon what they say, we then start asking questions like, well, how far back are you in payment? Where, where are you in the hierarchy of this lawsuit? Are you a contractor? Are you a subcontractor? Are you a sub of a sub? Um, how far behind are they? How much money do they owe you? Uh, because eventually, sometimes just writing a demand letter saying we represent the contractor or subcontractor, they haven't been paid in a timely manner, they're owed X dollars, and if you do not make a payment within X days, 5, 10 days, they're going to be filing a bond claim or uh, filing a lien on the property, uh, depending on what kind of uh, uh, situation we're in. And sometimes that alone can grease the wheels to get people moving forward, especially if it's also forwarded to the owner and the contractor. You know, you can try to find where the pressure point is on who is not paying. Once they hire Dan Epstein, they know they're serious, right, about collecting their money. And they get that letter from you, and it's, oh, no, something's really going to happen if I get this letter. And that can shake them up? It can. You know, we don't like to send out letters and make uh, idle suggestions we're going to file a lawsuit if we're not going to follow up on it. So uh, a lot of times that'll get people moving along in the process. But there's plenty of other lawsuits uh, and cases we've been involved in where no matter how many demand letters you send or no matter how many lien claims you make or bond claims you make, uh, you're not going to get paid in a timely manner and you're just going to have to move on to a lawsuit. So talk to me a little bit about the lien claims or filing a mechanics lien. Is there a time limit to doing that? Uh, there is. Uh, each state is a little different. In Nebraska, you would have 120 days from your last work or performance on the job. That can be a dispute too, can't it? It can. When was that last work or performance on the job? Exactly. So it, it as far as our clients, we always remind them documentation is key on this, to document exactly when you were there on last uh, either supplying materials or you actually last worked on the job because that can be an issue because you're going to want to file your lien if it's a subject to a lien in Nebraska within 120 days and thereafter you have uh, two years to file a lawsuit if need be to, to foreclose on that lien. And then you mentioned bond claims too. Are there different types of bonds and all kinds of issues with bond claims I bet as well? There is. Uh, there's usually two types of uh, bonds on a construction project. One of them is a performance bond, and one of them is a payment bond. And the performance bond basically goes to the owner's benefit that if the contractor were to uh, not perform, that they have some kind of backing that they can go to the bond company and get assurances that the, their portion of the job will be done. As far as the contractor or the subcontractors or the subcontractor, sub-subs, they're going to use the, the payment bond. They're going to make a claim under the payment bond saying, I wasn't paid in a timely manner. Uh, usually those bonds require, like on a federal uh, project, you have to wait at least 90 days from when you completed your work to make your bond claim uh, with the specific notice requirements that is uh, listed by statute. And it just kind of varies on which position you are in the lawsuit. But you, have, you can do that uh, 90 day, after 90 days from your last work, but you have to do it within a year. Uh, and then sometimes the bond on the performance, or probably the payment bonds, sometimes they pay out. Sometimes they think about it and you're going to wait a while. And sometimes they'll just refuse to pay you because they've gotten information from the contractor or the subcontractor saying you didn't do your work, uh, you didn't finish your work, it wasn't complete, there was errors to it. So it's one of those situations where you do have time on both of them, but um, the sooner you do something, the better, because time can get away from you, especially when you're, when you're dealing with, with bond companies and their reviews. 
So we have a lot of different kinds of legal documents involved here too, don't we? We've got the different contracts. You're going to want their invoices for payment, any correspondence that we're going back and forth to see these bonds themselves. Uh, insurance policies might come up. Uh, lots of different things that you're taking into account are there. Exactly. And, uh, you know, contractors also work in the real world where when they're on the job, their main focus isn't documenting for our purposes. So sometimes it's kind of piecemeal going back afterwards trying to figure out what exactly we have. But the better documentation that they have helps us on the back end if we're helping them make a demand or a claim or filing a lawsuit. What are some things that can make their claims stronger when they're trying to get paid? Well, uh, beyond documentation, um, obviously doing the work correctly uh, and having the correct material supplied, uh, those those two things help in uh, getting paid in a timely manner. But sometimes that's out of their control because the contractor isn't being paid, uh, the owner isn't making payments. But there's certain things that the, the client can do ahead of time when they're entering into the contract. Oh, let's talk about those. What are some things you can do ahead of time? Well, you can obviously read the provisions of the contract and what it says on how you're going to be paid. Sometimes there's contracts that have pay when paid provisions, which means that the contractor, if you're a subcontractor, won't pay you until they've been paid. Uh, that might up, be good to know in advance before you're signing up for the job, right? It is. Uh, it would take care of a lot of heartache. Other times, there's going to be payment provisions where you're going to be paid with the next days. But in Nebraska, they have a relatively new, it's been less than 10 years, uh, new Construction Prompt Pay Act. So in that case, uh, there is requirements that if you can follow and show that you've done your necessary work, you can actually be paid sooner than maybe the contract allows for. And in that case, the Prompt Pay Act does uh, allow for the potential recovery of attorney's fees as well. Ooh. So if we need to go down that road and file a lawsuit, uh, if, reco- if recoverable, uh, the underlying amount, we might have a chance for attorney's fees as well. Isn't it a good idea to have an attorney review these contracts before you sign them? Always. We always tell our clients from engineers, architects, to contractors, subcontractors, have us review these contracts. Um, the, the, the small charge that we're going to do in the, the front end is going to make up for any back-end issues because even if they only get in a lawsuit once out of 100 times, the amount of money they're going to be spending on the back-end and us defending it or us prosecuting their action is going to is going to be dwarf what they would have paid for us to initially review their contract and let them know of the traps out there. Like indemnity and hold harmless clauses? Exactly. Those are always the hot ones I'm looking for. Yeah. So it's always beneficial for the client to know what they're getting into ahead of time. And then sometimes they're going to make a business decision to say, this is a project I want to be involved in because it's a great project. And other Mm -hmm. ones they're going to say, it's not worth, uh, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for all of your insight on this topic. And I really appreciate having you on Law Talk with the Flock. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day. Go make it worth it. Thanks for joining us for Law Talk with the Flock by Gooseman Law Firm. We hope you feel energized and ready to soar past your goals. Become a Flock fan and subscribe to our podcast for weekly episodes. Learn more at GooseminLaw.com.